I was to put box braids in my hair and some lady was to stand and look at me and be like, what the hell are you doing? And then I pull up a picture of my father and I, and then for her to go, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Like, you know, realizing those moments as well are just as much a part of my experience as my privileges and being able to live authentically within both. I feel like it's something we all need to do. Hello, guys, and welcome or welcome back to another episode of High Key Adulting. It has been a week. I know. I know you guys miss me. Whatever. I know. I'm so sorry I couldn't get an episode up last week. Things just came out of nowhere, and you know what? Life happens, shit happens. It's fine. I even had the High Key Adulting page roasting my main page because of how I didn't get an episode up. So with that being said, I am going to attempt to not miss an episode in the future, but there are some crazy life changes happening and just things going on in my life that I will definitely address in this episode. I will touch a little bit on this episode, but um, next episode will definitely focus on everything a little bit more and what's going on, but I guess I can peep it right here. Guys, um yeah we're moving should i say where i kind of spoiled it on two live streams because i suck at like getting it together but i had my friend patty on one live stream and one live stream i was just like by myself talking and i just brought it up spoiled where i was moving if you know you're an og and you were there during the live streams but i think there was like 11 people on one and 13 people on the other it was both like at like 1 a.m so with that being said, only those people know, but maybe I will save it for next week's episode so that you guys can really be surprised, but I'm moving and I'm moving fairly soon. Things are just getting kind of crazy and kind of chaotic very, very fast and it's kind of hitting me how fast things are moving right now and getting a little anxious, but it's more so like excited anxious because, you know, I just really want to not be in Charlotte anymore. Um, I love my family. I love this house and but I've really got to go and make things happen for myself and I'm ready to do that. So with that being said, that's a surprise. So welcome to Heike Adulting. <laughs> um, well, I guess one thing that I will do is read a review of the week because we did get one in the week that we were gone. Guys, I can't stress it enough. If you guys love this podcast, please go rate and review. So many people don't even know how to do it and maybe that's why you haven't done it. So I will go ahead and tell you the instructions very fast. All you have to do to rate and review a podcast is go to Apple Podcasts. That is the only way. You can't do it in Spotify. You can't do it on any other podcast platform. So you have to do it on Apple Podcasts and you just type in Heike Adulting and then scroll all the way down to the bottom and click the button that says rate and review and just type in a little blurb so that I'm able to read it in next week's episode. And yeah, I will be reading reviews for as long as we have reviews. So now we have 81 ratings, which is amazing. So let's keep them going because guys, I get hundreds and hundreds of downloads on every single episode and no reviews. And I see the love that you give me on Instagram, but I need the love on the actual podcast itself. So feel free to rate and review. And I'd be so happy to read your guys' stuff on air. This one comes from Nessa1229. And she said, literally my favorite podcast. Love this podcast so much. Jada is so professional and kind. Love all of her words. I've been binging all the episodes. As you should, ma'am. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast, especially in the week that I was gone. I just told everyone, hey, just stream all of my old episodes. So sorry. But this week was 
was crazy. So today's episode, I actually have a lovely friend, um, Emma Gordon. I met her via the internet, just like almost all of my friends on this podcast. And she's a little redhead gal and I freaking love her so much. We talk really heavily on some topics that I feel like you guys might want to just educate yourselves on. And guess what? Even though the Black Lives Matter movement is less vocal as it was last year around May and June and July, these conversations are still happening. And I and I hope that you guys are still implementing practices to continue educating yourselves and just listening to other people's stories and other people's experience and doing the self-work that needs to be done for this world and human race to move forward, you know, in a productive way. So yes, this conversation is something that you probably just want to listen to, tune in and just get, you know, a thing or two out of it. And yeah. And I guess the last update that I want to say is thank you guys so much for almost 1000 subscribers on my new channel. It has been so crazy watching it grow for the second time. Like, I just can't believe that I actually just went with it and just did it. It was a really, really good decision because now that I'm moving and like officially moving and this is kind of a new chapter in my life and post-COVID is almost around the corner, hopefully. Um, I just want, you know, a new kind of feel, a new kind of vibe, and this new channel gives all of that. And yeah, so I hope you guys are also enjoying all the new channel content. I've got videos on Sundays and Thursdays as of right now. Don't know what that's going to look like during moving time and scheduling and all that stuff, but I will be vlogging the process and, you know, everything that goes along with that. So don't worry about missing out on content. It's just a matter of when that'll come out. So I'm just going to go ahead and stop talking right now so that you guys can listen to this lovely episode with Emma and yeah I love you guys so much and I will talk to you guys next week in an episode all about moving and life changes bye bye Hi guys, I'm back and I'm so sorry for skipping a week, but you guys will know that because I did an intro already. So now we're here with the lovely Emma. How are you, Emma? Hi, um, I'm good. We're here. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, we're here. We're testing out the new Zencaster software, so bear with us. This might be a little weird and hopefully the audio just comes out crisp, but like it's it's just interesting. But anyway, Emma, go ahead and introduce yourself to the podcast. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Emma Gordon. I am born and raised in New York City in Manhattan, and now my family lives in the Bronx. Um, I am currently in college pursuing a BFA in dance. Um, yeah, I'm identified as a multiracial um, woman. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to get talking about stuff. <laughs> I know, me too. I was like, I need to have Emma on my podcast. I like found you on Instagram a long time ago. It was like during the summer. Now I can't believe that because it was like kind of like last year. That's so weird. Yeah. Time has flown by. Okay. Anyway, well, yeah, so we're here today and we're going to get into all things just race we're gonna top we're gonna touch on that subject because I think I touched on it once in one of my first episodes with my friend Jonathan and we also talked about like being biracial and you know the experience of that all so now we've got you on and we can do it all over again which I'm excited and also we can just talk about the performing arts industry how you got into it so let's start on that lighter note so how did you get into the performing arts industry why do you like dance like how did you get into it oh all right so I have been dancing for 13 years now, 14 years. Yeah, started when I was six. I'm now 20. Wow, cannot math. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why I'm in the arts and not the sciences. Felt that, yeah. I was kind of dancing since birth. There's, you know, videos of me in a diaper 
dancing around to um I loved watching Beauty and the Beast. Still my favorite Disney. <laughs> but there was like um at the time I can't remember what um group it was on Disney, but they did like a remix of the song and they were all like dancing on top of like the cakes. So I would take like um the little like potty I had at the time and I would stand on it and dance and like try and do what they were doing. Um, so I always love to move my mom and I, there's a video of me too, like, um, of all of us watching the Nutcracker and, you know, I had to try an arabesque and do all these different things. And, you know, moving was something I always loved to do. I was walking at nine months while still being in six month old clothes, like (laughs) something that, I don't know, just looking back it kind of, I always loved to move no matter what it was what it was like um I was always an active child I did karate I loved the monkey bars like played softball and sports no me too oh my gosh I feel like I didn't really play sports when I was younger but I always played like quote-unquote football like with all the guys (laughs) like always like during elementary school like recess or whatever it's just so funny because like looking back on those days like I was always the monkey bar child as well like I even got this like huge scar once this is just a random story time but when I was in preschool you know so when I was in preschool, there was these like, yeah, monkey bars that kind of went like all the way across and like to get and you like, I don't know, it's it honestly seems dangerous now that I'm looking back on it, because we we're so tiny. And like the playground is actually relatively big for a small human. So I mm-hmm. was doing the monkey bars. And I was so confident because I saw all these kids doing it too. But there was this tricycle, I don't know where the hell it came from. But it was like, they would use it to like, walk their feet across. I don't know, like they would hold the monkey bar, but like, use the tricycle to roll and like walk you know what I'm saying like you'll put your foot on the tricycle like like seat where you'd usually sit on it and they would like do this and like walk across instead of having to like actually use your you know arms to like lift you so I was like oh like this is so cool like everyone's doing it too and so then I got on it and like I guess I missed a step or something but like it was like the little drop like once you get off of the tricycle I don't know what happened but I think I'd let go and I'm usually good at the monkey bars like nothing like I never fall I'm like a pro at it but like the tricycle just added this whole factor that I guess I wasn't ready for and I slipped so hard and that was the first like huge injury that kind like I kind of had and I had this scar on my like right shin for so long it just like cut all the way up and I had never seen that much blood on me and like ever and I was like three or four and I was like this is not the lifestyle like I just remember that being so tragic but um yes I guess we were both the adventurous monkey bar sports (laughs) kind of kids yeah um oh that's crazy because I remember like almost every day I would be in the nurse's office and getting checked for a concussion because oh my you know, I wanted to reach that bar and then my hands would just slip and I would oh hit my, my head on the concrete down below and like no you know so the whole like follow my finger oh count my down gosh from 10 like wow. yeah I remember having to do that almost every day and the amount of callus <laughs> I had on my hands what about you like more oh, than on God. my feet as a dancer I don't even know why yeah. I did that to myself I like look at my hands now and I remember like that feeling of just like I had the grossest hands like it was same (laughs) (laughs) it was so bad I don't know why I tortured myself to do it every day but it was like I'm cool I can get across the monkey bar anyway so we're pro monkey bar climbers guys uh not dancers at all that's our first thing (laughs) monkey bar climber first okay um but yeah times in our lives but um yeah so what's your favorite style of dance Ooh, okay. Um, I absolutely love modern and ballet, and I took ballet training, like strict, strict ballet training um, at a school called 
Ballet Tech, which um, like the full title is Ballet Tech, the New York City Public School for Dance. Um, but that was like ballet straight for like five years of my life and not really much else. Um, and I feel like, you know, I needed that training. I needed that technique, but I always, my first classes, uh, like my first full dance classes were modern classes. And that's really what drew my heart to move in the first place was like the more contemporary modern-esque movement where you're more so making, um, shapes and dynamics versus like thorough technique and like look at how crazy my legs are you know so right yeah yeah. I also started in ballet I started at age seven and I went to Charlotte Mm -hmm. Ballet like or it was called North Carolina Dance Theater at the time and yeah Yeah. I was also in like strict ballet training for so long and kind of didn't see anything else other than that and then I started immersing myself into everything else but I am glad for that like training that I did get as like the quote-unquote you know base of ballet even though that's so like dangerous to say you know because it's like yeah. there's no base of dance but it's like yeah it kind of makes sense whatever um but yeah I'm so grateful for that training and just everything that I learned from that but I thoroughly enjoy yeah like contemporary or modern or jazz or hip-hop or like something more that I can just like you know freely move but I do I feel like ballet is like the math of dance do you know what I'm saying it's like sure. it's like math yeah. it's like the it's has rules and like all these things but like everything else is like all the other subjects that's what I feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean like there's a certain point where you know like yes ballet is important and all that kind of stuff but like you know there's so much other types of dance out there and they all have something different to offer which is why I always am like you know versatility is key Mm -hmm. agreed yeah like you need to be able to do and express yourself in multiple ways or else you're not really like a multifaceted dancer exactly. you're kind of just like this single this is what I do this is the only thing I do and I don't know like I feel like that gets boring but maybe that's yeah just no me. I know some no love one thing but. very true no but I respect dancers so much more when they're able to like fully do ballet and hip-hop and like both good mm-hmm. you know like there are so many ballet dancers that I know that went to my school that like if they were to try hip-hop they would look like straight up like a ballet dancer and I'm like there's you've got to learn other things you know and like I think that school didn't really offer I mean they offered like jazz and modern but it was always like a strict like heavy focus on ballet until you got into the company and then they would work on more contemporary stuff but I'm like I wish we could do like summer intensive style things like year round not just during summer intensive like I want to keep this training up like throughout everything else and I felt like during summer intensive we still had ballet so much but I was like can we do more of the contemporary and jazz? And like, so we got more of that during mm-hmm. summer, but I'm like, can we incorporate this into the school year program? Cause like people need to know yeah. this. Like if you audition, even for companies these days, like they expect you to be versatile, you know? Yeah. So what school do you go to? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm currently at George Mason university, which is in um, Fairfax, Virginia. It's about 45 minutes away from um, DC uh and I guess how to describe our program is we're very modern based most of our teachers um and professors were strictly in um the uh, I'm trying to think about the time frame but um just very modern-esque contemporary-esque and then we have Mm -hmm. our one um ballet professor who was very involved in Balanchine and um all of that so yeah, that's where yeah. I'm at as of right now. <laughs> Fun. And then what do you feel like you see yourself doing post-college? 
Um, that's a really great question. <laughs> um, I mean, as of right now, and I, this is like always been my goal with dance. Like I want to dance. I want to dance professionally. I want to be right. able to like travel the world and dance and, you know, make a life through expressing myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, it would be insane because, you know, so many people wish to like have, um, a career that like they love and that brings them joy, but also brings that, that money and that check home mm-hmm. at night. Um, so that's the ultimate goal. And I'm definitely thinking about other things and other ways to do that. Um, as of right now, I'm looking into um, a minor surrounding uh, conflict resolution in sports. And I'm going to see if Ooh. I can try and like maneuver that towards dance. Um, and who knows, that might be like coming up with a, choreography that's like about um well as of right now I'm working on one about um the ideas of femininity and the ideal woman and what does that really mean in society and how does that affect um women and you know how we're seen by other people so that's kind of where I'm going with it we'll see where it takes me um I guess I'm not trying to hold on to any one thing just because Mm -hmm. I mean as we've all been proven in this past year the world is right so unpredictable so um yeah that's good (laughs) that you're expanding that's awesome and then you're also super into like activism and everything that surrounds that so we'll touch on that Mm -hmm. a bit um but that's so good to see that you're also branching out and like seeing other things that could also incorporate into dance because you know that like that's your one love but also not putting all your eggs in one basket you know um but I could totally see you like traveling the world and doing your thing and like totally making a sick paycheck off of it so I'm excited (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to like transition into this but we really wanted to Mm -hmm. talk today about just like being a biracial kid in freaking America and what that's like because you know Mm -hmm. not to undermine any other group but it's all about intersectionality and like I feel like people don't really address mixed race because I mean, it's like, okay, you're there, but also it's so hard when movements like Black Lives Matter come up and even right now, like the Asian like community is being like hit so hard and like I'm both of those and it's like seeing that from both perspectives, it's just like, wow, like, you know, so I guess we want to talk about that, but I think that's also kind of how we met was through kind of the Black Lives Matter thing because I started like liking your pictures I just like I don't even know how I found you honestly I just found you and I was like oh this girl's so cute and then I followed her and we started talking about just you know real life shit that was going on and I feel like people don't connect like that anymore so it was really good to see that Emma was here just to you know actually talk and have a conversation about things and it was interesting to see your perspective I do remember what it was or like I remember when we first connected it was because there was this post that you had reposted about like um how like having Eurocentric features or something like that and like you're not really black or something like that and then you like reposted it and I was like hey like let's talk about this let's unpack the hell out of this because there's (laughs) a lot and I want you to feel you know like legitimized like I want your your you to feel like you are part of the black community because you are you know what I'm saying and it was just like Mm -hmm. you were so torn between which side to pick but like there's not really a side to pick you're both you know so how do you feel about all this stuff that's a lot but we can get into different tangents but like what's going on in the brain of Emma (laughs) um well yeah I guess just because like you know people can't see me and I feel like oh yeah you know what I mean yeah that's, (laughs) that's the real crazy thing like if people like didn't see me they wouldn't think twice but it's right. the second that people see me that it's like, oh, 
interesting like mm-hmm. questions pop up um so I guess to backtrack um I identify as of right now as multiracial um but my father was adopted and didn't know of his um mother or father that well and then he took an ancestry.com test probably like a four years ago four and a half years ago now um and he found out that he himself is mixed jewish and black so um then that kind of changed my whole identity too growing up because i identified as a biracial kid and now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden i had this another multiplicity into everything and um it's really interesting because my phenotypes um i'm pretty light skin white presenting for the most Mm -hmm. part and i have red hair, freckles, brown eyes. Um, So, you know, the whole Merida thing is getting old, but it's still so present. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess my one thing that throughout, like, June and July that I was really kind of dealing with was this idea of, like, where do, where is my opinion and my conversation fit? Because quite honestly, when it came to all the activism that was being had, yeah, it felt like it wasn't for me, even though what I experience and how I'm affected in society stems from the same sorts of things that BLM was talking about. Mm-hmm. But because colorism was such a big and important yes. part in that, yeah. people who are light-skinned and mixed have to take that step back when it comes to everything but because of that, and because there was such this big, great activism on, on um, you know, lifting up dark-skinned Black women's voices that, like, we almost got shunned into this place of, no, wait, but you need to understand what's wrong with you, and you need to understand yeah. where your privileges come from. But as of right now, here's how I feel. And this is going to sound ridiculously radical. People are probably going to be upset listening to it. It's probably going to be a new idea. I feel like that no one who is monoracial or multiracial, I would even go as far as that. Like, if you're not multiracial, you probably won't get it. But here it is. I'm going to say it. Um, But I feel like, you know, racism, yes, has to come from a place of power, right? However... Mm -hmm. As mixed people, you are facing a power struggle from both sides of your identity. You are Mm -hmm. being told, hypothetically, right, what you are allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and what makes it right and what makes you, I want to say politically correct, but, like, I don't think that's the right term, but, like, socially acceptable, I guess. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? On both sides. So hypothetically, people who are in a subordinate group, people who are in um, a marginalized group mm-hmm. can still be racist, can still yep. be derogatory. You, are, you don't get a free easy pass into just saying whatever the heck you want because you know what real oppression is like. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time. I feel like, you know, the black community and I'm here's the thing. I'm not going to come from it as a like I do not support them. I'm just coming from it as a, hey, we need to hold up because we need to make sure that we're doing this right. Yeah, and I feel like for feel the Black you. community, they have a very, like, no one will ever understand our oppression. If you are privileged and you are this, you will never understand it. And I kind of am like, you know what? As a mixed race person, you kind of don't get mine. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of something that 
doesn't necessarily cross a lot of monoracial black people's minds when it comes to that is that mm-hmm. you will never understand what it's like to not belong what it's yeah. like to be assumed as something you're not on a day-to-day basis to have who you are questioned and not even like what you are because I feel like you know the issues we're facing right now is a lot of black people are getting mm-hmm. you know um objectified as things they are not and you know but for mixed people it's literally who you are yeah is questioned on a 24 7 Mm -hmm. basis every time i have to go get covid tested at my school i walk up and for whatever reason when you tap your card it comes up all of your ethnicities all your different things and for me um black and african-american is what comes up and white doesn't come up for whatever reason they have it probably for the fact that that's how they're tracking things And the amount of times I've been asked three times or more, are you sure this information is correct? And I say, yes. Are you sure this information is correct? Yes. Are you sure this ethnicity is correct? Yeah. It's happened to me multiple times when I've gone in. And I feel like that, that in and of itself is something that someone who presents as what they are will never understand ever. Yeah. Mm Like period. And that's something I feel like is not being talked about at all. It's not, because you're right. as of yeah. right now, integration is something that everyone is still afraid of, black and white, both, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Integration and being able to actually, you know, multiculturalism is something that we're still all afraid of because we're all about me, myself, mine. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different side of it. But for me, that's what's been going through my mind because I was at this point in my life where I was like, where the hell do I talk? Like, where is my, yeah. where does yes. it matter? And I realized that my opinion is a whole separate conversation that's not even being had because people can't get past the fact that, you know, so much of what's being talked about and so much of the intricacies of of what is being talked about as of right now when it comes to activism is just something that they're scared of. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? People are scared of people like us where, and I know I'm talking for a long time. Um, no, I but... love it. Like, beautifully said, Emma. Like, keep going. <laughs> speak your ass. Like, do it. So good. Um, this might be something that uh, is going to surprise some people, too. But I would say look up, like, I don't remember the name of the exact study. But there's a study where mm-hmm. humans and, like, human nature in general, our brains are hardwired to try and understand something. Even if we literally have no reason to understand. There was a study, I can't remember the name of it, I'm sorry again, but people literally took blobs of paint, just slapped them on a piece of paper and kept showing them to people. And it wasn't meant to look like anything. It wasn't like they tried to, you know, manipulate it. They -hmm. were just like, here's a blob of paint. What do you see? And time and time again, people were like, oh my gosh, that looks like an elephant. Oh my gosh, that's a flower. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, no, it's a freaking blob of paint. So when people look at racially ambiguous people, they're Mm -hmm. trying to understand something because that's how we're hardwired to think, Mm -hmm. but they're never going to thoroughly understand it because what you're looking at and what you're thinking of are two separate things. And because your mind isn't open enough to the fact that you might not understand, then people just are never going to be able to get past that until they can actually realize that that's the way that their brain works right so again I I would I love that totally look up studies anyone that's listening like that for me when that when I learned about that I was like it clicked people Mm -hmm. like look at me and they're like what 
Yes. Yes. Because their brains aren't like, they're not open enough to be like, well, maybe I just don't understand. Maybe it's just something that like her genes are just something that doesn't align with what I know to be true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it goes again, both ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. We all need to realize that we all have privileges, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. And we all have subordinate traits about ourselves. It's just mm-hmm. kind of how our society is and really how the world is. And again, there is no, well, my oppression is worse than yours. And you right. Know, like, right. It, we all have some traits that mm-hmm. make us, whether that's your sexuality, mm-hmm. whether that's your socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. whether that's the fact that you were around people that looked like you, that honestly is yeah. a privilege in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, and for me personally, like growing up in New York, I say it all the time, like growing up around people who don't look like me was a privilege to me in some instances now that I'm like living through my life as well. So, you know, it takes just real reflection to be like, you know, mm-hmm. this is something that like benefited my life. And I can't sit here and act like a victim all the time because I had this. Right. And it's not for like sure. being positive or trying to have toxic positivity about what you have. It's more so trying to understand the authentic feelings that come from your life experiences. So yeah. that was extremely long. No, oh my God, <laughs> Emma, but, speak um, your shit. Yes. That was amazing. No, uh, okay, sure. I will try and reflect on everything you just said. I'm like trying to just like put it all in a box and it's so difficult, but like everything, like everything from just like feeling like you don't know where where to speak you don't know where to put your opinion like during the whole black lives matter movement i felt so odd speaking about it just because it's like do i have a right to speak about it yes i'm half black but Mm -hmm. other other quote-unquote mixed kids who are half black that quote-unquote act more quote-unquote black than me I'm like, well, do they have more to say about it because they are black? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. but I am too. And I don't know where my voice fits. Like I even did a whole book club over the summer um, with the book. Oh my God. So you want to, so you want to talk about race. And uh, one of my influencer Mm -hmm. friends like asked me to co-host it. And at first I was like, uh sure like I didn't want to say no because it's also like I want to speak my truth and if she trusts me to do that and I am black I need to acknowledge that I am black I Mm -hmm. need to say what I need to say like that doesn't limit my struggles just because just because I feel like you know what I'm saying it's just it's such a difficult thing because then and then on top of that the other spectrum is like colorism I understand my privilege from a whole aspect I may not be white at all but I understand my privilege as a lighter skinned black human, as a lighter skinned Asian human, as a lighter skinned, just multicultural, like biracial, whatever person, you know? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is something that is so difficult. I mean, I can't even tell you, just like I grew up in a pretty diverse community in a sense that there were all races around me. But as you're younger and as you kind of start growing up, you see how you really don't fit in anywhere because everyone is kind of, you know, like whether you believe it or not, I mean, you see it in school, it's like all the white people will tend to be friends with white people for the most part. You know what I'm saying? You can have Mm -hmm. a diverse friend group and whatever, what have you. But it's like, you will see that black people will naturally gravitate towards black people because they understand their struggles. They understand their life, their culture, whatever. And as a biracial person, it's like, I never fit into any of those things. So I was never white enough to be in the white group. I was never black enough to be in the black group. The Asian group Mm -hmm. is very small. And even that it's like, 
I'm not Asian enough to fit in the Asian group. Like I will even go on chats on Clubhouse sometimes and they're having like Asian talks. And I'm like, yes, I deserve to be here. But I also don't look like every Korean, Chinese, Indian person like in this room. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, Mm -hmm. where the hell do I fit? You know? And I Mm -hmm. think that that's such a it's such a difficult thing. But also I, I want to come from a point of like embracing it because it's so beautiful to be able to have this connection with even another biracial human or just like anyone else who is attempting to understand our struggles and our experiences and our and just life in general you know Mm -hmm. and having these conversations like this really do open up my mind and I don't I'm gonna be very honest I don't think I've had a conversation like this like except for you and I like when we FaceTime and whatever and we talk about this shit because it's like Mm -hmm. I I I do have biracial friends, but even then it's like, it's never really a topic that comes up because we're friends with other people who kind of semi look like us or like they are black or whatever, you know? So it doesn't really come up. And I don't think, and it's because I don't think it's like, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm oppressed, you know? Like no one wants to just like walk around and like whatever, (laughs) you know? Because then also it's just a ton of victimizing when we are in a place of privilege from that aspect, you know? So it's just like, why would I say that, you know? So I don't even know what I'm trying to say or like where I'm trying to go at this point, but it's crazy because we as humans have just taken race and literally from the basics of things, the color of your skin to a whole nother level. It means so much more than I even knew a year ago. Like I learned so Mm -hmm. much in the past year and I was almost afraid to admit how much I learned because it's like, not that I've been walking through life blindly, but I mean, I walk through life in a pretty optimistic way. Like I'm pretty much always the person that's like, even if I'm the only person of color in a room, I'm going to stand out and I'm going to do what I'm going to do because like I'm here and I'm so grateful to be here. I've always came from a place of that, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think last year was just such a big reflection on how much I didn't know, how much of the statistics I didn't know. And just, even though we knew that like the black community is, you know, oppressed in a sense and like this and this, and it's like, we that's just something that never really even crossed my mind because I also grew up in a performing arts high school where all the black people there had the same opportunities as us you know and it's like and had the same opportunities as everyone that went to that school so it's like I I don't know I guess I really almost unintentionally turned a blind eye and like I almost had to sit back for a second and be like what do I not know what do I need to read upon and how can I grow from this? Essentially, it's so difficult to be like, wow, like I didn't know. And me being half black, it's like I'm really coming from a place of I don't fucking know anything about myself at this point. You know, it's just so crazy because here we are talking like on a podcast about skin color, you know, and like how much that really affects a person and who they are. And when you really strip that away, like imagine if not nothing mattered, like based on the color of your skin, if everyone was, if everyone was just colorblind, like no one saw anything, how would life be different? Like, do you ever think about that? It's just like. What if that that topic just went away and like was in no one's vocabulary? No one ever looked at it like that. I'm reading the book Sapiens, so I always bring this up, but mm-hmm. it's so crazy because we are all one human species. We are Homo sapiens, right? And mm-hmm. supposedly, I mean, we already know this. We studied this in whatever middle school. We know that there were other human species, such as like Neanderthals and Homo erectus and whatever. There were different human species that are like us, but Homo sapiens were the only one that lasted. So he talks in the book about like how what if there was another human species that coexisted with humans? Would we even have the same racial conversations that we do or would it, or would it be species against species? Like a cat is mm-hmm. to like another type of cat, you know? There's only one yeah. human species and we've taken over this bitch. Like we're here and we're going to be here mm-hmm. to stay for a little bit of time. So it's like, how would life be different if like that was never even a factor? How would life be different if 
you know, Europeans just chose not to use Africans as slaves. Like, how would life be if all this stuff didn't happen? And it's like, Mm -hmm. we can't evolve from this if we don't have these conversations. And it was a very tough time last year to be like, can I even celebrate my own small wins, no matter how small it was? Because it's like, there's this huge cloud of conversation and just things going on it's like where where am I allowed to speak am I allowed to even say anything about it you know so it was mm-hmm. such an eye-opening year and I, I and I feel like you could probably say the same thing in a sense that like you learned so much like we both like you know we're sitting mm-hmm. here being like we kind of know who we are and then it's like ah shit like I really don't know anything about myself at this point you know yeah. and it was just like a wake-up call and I I had nights where I had trouble sleeping because I was like where do I fit and that was the question that just like rang in my head all night you know so that I guess that's what I had to say about it. It's just so, it's interesting. And I, I guess moving forward from here, it's about just continuing to learn and continuing to understand people just as people, you know, like take away color for just a second and just like understand the person that you're speaking to and then like understand where they came from, their experiences and what makes them them. I mean, we've been in COVID quarantine, whatever too. So it's like, I feel like that's such a big impact on how these conversations were able to amplify on social media because that's all we had, you know? And like, mm-hmm. even that is just like, wow, social media is huge. And like, people have voices on social media, and we're able to share things and almost too much, like we're almost like able to share too much of our struggle and like too much of what's going on that it, it scares people and we almost become more divisive, like whether we like to think it or not. It's like, you see it in different corners of the internet where some black groups who are in support of BLM have other views than other black groups in support of BLM. And then some people are like against one side and this side and the BLM is even divisive in its own self, like where people believe Mm -hmm. certain things in BLM and some people don't believe other things. It's like, where does one fit? And then you kind of just like throw all black people in one group. You throw all Asian people in one group and all white people in one group and all other races in one group. And it's like, that's not really what it is like at all. You know, like there are so many little sub entity groups of like so many different beliefs and people. And it's like, how are you able to understand these people? And I think it comes down to each individual person that you encounter essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I had to say about that. (laughs) A ton, a ton. Yeah. But I mean, and kind of from what you just said too, like it comes down to all of our, prejudices and stereotypes and um I mean they're so ingrained at us in us at this point I mean the entire 2000 some odd years plus that like these ideas have been created and infiltrated and into just everything that we are is Mm -hmm. you know we have to realize it's ingrained in all of us no matter who you are you have certain ideals and you group certain things together just because that's the way, again, like your brain can understand. Right. There's so many intricacies and um, I guess intricacies, yeah, is, is the right word. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess subclasses of different ideas that like, it's almost impossible to thoroughly understand them all, which is why having this sense of like I understand it all is never something that we should go about you know anything with yeah like you just there's that sense of removing yourself and um your experiences from the experiences you're having which I think is that sense of like living in the present moment and letting Mm -hmm. the present surround you instead of thinking back to what this person said and that person Mm -hmm. said, but what if that happened in the future, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that sense of like, 
um, you know, like, would the world have been any different? Like, I quite honestly don't think it would be. Like, I think, again, like, we as people just have this sense of creating ideas in our head to try and, again, like, understand and make sense of because the thought of not is drives us insane and drives us to the point where like it I mean my more thing is like it drives us to the point of hate is what we've seen yeah true the fact that you know so many white supremacists just can't even be like begin begin to to understand Mm -hmm. that like the person that you hate is just as worthy as you because you're scared of what they'll how they'll affect your life And that's like fear and hate, and that's like the um, result of that. I feel like it's really self-explanatory, and it explains yeah. the fact that like we all just have these inherent fears. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's how we are as humans. But again, you have to. We all really just have to like take that <laughs> and accept that, come mm-hmm. to terms with it, and know that we all have work to do yes no one should be working harder to understand your experience if you are not working as hard to understand somebody and that's on all sides all sides i don't care if you're white black asian like white people have their struggles too they really really do but i and i think that because and i think that's how some white groups feel like they feel like wow like of course black people are getting the attention right now but like what about my struggles i'm homeless right now on the side of the street but no one cares about me and, it, and in some Black Lives Matter subgroups, some people don't care about white people at all. And they're like, well, it's only mm-hmm. me who goes through my struggles. And that's where it's like a fine line of like, what do I actually believe? Like, what are my actual yeah. beliefs on this subject? Because at the end of the day, everyone has their struggles. And I think that sometimes it's like a competition to undermine like who's going through things harder. And that's why it's like some people say all lives matter because they don't get it. They don't understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't mm-hmm. understand what what in what perspective we're looking at because black lives matter you can never be on the same page no matter what side you're on because so many people have their own specific beliefs because of what they've been through their own experiences Mm -hmm. like you know and some white people it's like say they had one awful encounter with a black person someone like robbed their house someone did something it's like you subconsciously don't like black people now and you're going to migrate and flock to a group that also doesn't like black people for whatever reason that it is just because of that one experience you know and that's on again all sides same thing a white person bullied you when you were in school and you were a black person like whatever it may be and it's like all of these little experiences it's like you really have to force yourself to look from a bird's eye view. That's what it is. There you go. Um, and you, yeah. And you see from like all perspectives, like I am a part of this bigger picture. You kind of stop, mm-hmm. I guess, thinking about everything that's happening to you. You kind of have to see it as a bigger picture and how we're all moving in this forward motion. But that's scary for people to think about. And some people have never thought about it in that way because it's mm-hmm. just hard, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I mean, yep, yep. I don't know. It just... I feel like white people as of right now too are going through a very large like our sons and like they're Mm -hmm. realizing that they are there's a lot of issues going on with how they're raising their kids and yeah how like they have a there's a lot of also systemic things that come from that keep many white families in this sense of poverty for generations and generations and generations too yeah 
you know what I mean? There's so, there are so many issues. There are so many issues with our world that it almost seems impossible to like fix them all, you know? Mm -hmm. And we all have this like inherent responsibility to fix them all. But like how we go about doing that is not, in my opinion, a one on one at a time deal. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And this, it's why that sense of like, here, we're going to just be really great activists for like two and a half months. And then these mm-hmm. ideas are just going to like be in our lives. And like, it's really that time for me. Like it's, I mean, yes, it's important to focus on certain things. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But there's that sense of like, and that's kind of going into social media aspects and the fact mm-hmm. that there are trends and there are, you know, I mean, there were always trends, but now trends are blown up to this global, all-encompassing scale. Mm -hmm. And um, because of that trend and the pressure of that trend, we don't necessarily, again, open up our minds to Mm -hmm. other things. You know what I mean? And I feel like that in and of itself is why, like, you know, TikTok for me and all the rest of it, I... (laughs) Like, I don't have one. And I don't, I don't I, honestly, because it can be, it can be a lot. And when you kind of put that pressure on yourself to feel like you have to quote unquote fix anything or fix everything for that matter, because you just want to, and you want to see the world be a better place. It's so hard to come to terms with the fact of knowing that some people will just never understand. So I guess I'll mm-hmm. ask you this question. How are you as Emma Gordon going to move forward in society as the my my cultural my cultural multicultural <laughs> multi-ethnic person that you are and just live a better life how are you going to do that I mean I think it's it's a lot of self-work and I feel you know what I mean and I'm not gonna mm. like try and lie and say well like you know I'm gonna go out and advocate and I'm gonna go and do this and I'm gonna go and do that like because it's never about what I've done for other people. It's more so what I've done within myself so that I'm able to raise other people up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that too is also a sense of like, you know, great, let's like buy from black businesses. But like, are you buying from black businesses because you want to like make sure that you're spending your money right? Or are you supporting black businesses because you know that in you and that the way that the society has treated you and used your money and your, um, and the word is and the term is not going to come to me, but it's like a term that involves like economics and how you, they, um, society in general uh, pressures you into you putting your money in certain ways. Like, or are you doing the work to realize that that's something that's inherently in you mm-hmm. and then you're choosing to spend your money at a black business? And for me, like, I've made so many mistakes. People, we're going to make mistakes because it's something that is quite literally so new to us Mm -hmm. as of right now in this globalized society that it's going to take time and we're going to make mistakes. And we've already made a shit ton of mistakes. Excuse my French, but like, every single person. Yeah. So it is, I guess it really is just a lot of self work and a lot of like, you know, not even looking at my privileges, but looking at like, where do I stand again? Like trying Mm -hmm. to find myself because my simply being, and if I was to put box braids in my hair, 
and some lady was to stand and look at me and be like what the hell are you doing and then I pull up a picture of my father and I and then for her to go oh I'm sorry my bad like you know Mm -hmm. realizing those moments as well are just as much a part of my experience as my privileges and being able to live authentically within both I feel like it's something we all need to do yeah and so that's how I personally feel like I will be able to move forward I mean Mm -hmm. you know my opinion is my opinion so that's why I feel like a lot of people would be able to move forward but like I don't know it's a lot of self-work self-work I I'm so glad that you just really put a heavy emphasis on that because I mean just imagine if every single person was like self-work is what I'm focusing on then it would never be a thing of like having to shame people for this and this and this and you Mm -hmm. mistake this I mean granted there are some mistakes that is just like Hitler how did you do that like that was not a mistake you know but also if you're just a human like trying to figure shit out and like maybe you did Mm -hmm. say something awful six to ten years ago and now it's surfacing up and it's boiling up how are you going to choose to handle that some people Mm -hmm. of course they're going to turn to cancel culture but also it's like that's on them like they've got to figure out self-work first because usually when you cancel someone and you do all that kind of stuff it shows more of a like a reflection on you and what you feel like you're trying to I guess push away inside of you because I mean we Mm -hmm. tend to we tend to I guess criticize people for the things that we also do ourselves you know and you just like want to put that on someone else so that it's out of you Mm -hmm. you know there's that thing about you know the people that you hate and the traits that you hate about those people are actually the traits that are in you that you you. don't like yeah right we all want our perfect version of society and that's never gonna happen So yeah, it is ultimately down to self-work and just surrounding yourself around people who are like-minded, but also being open to what other people have to say. I will very well, like, have a respectful conversation with the Trump supporter. Like, I genuinely will. I will, if they are willing to come from a place of let's talk, cool. But one thing I will not accept is someone just calling me shit and, like, doing all this stuff and being, like, BLM doesn't matter, like, blah, 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 and just, like, giving the classic, like, Trump 2020, like, saying, you know? Like, I want someone Mm -hmm. to have a conversation with me, but it's funny because I even see, like, BLM people being like, no, I will never do that. Like, obviously, like, someone who supports this and this and this, what if they just don't get it? And what if I don't get what they're saying, you know? And it's like, no one's trying to understand each other's side, and we get, even on social media, we see what all of the people that support us see like you you're posting Mm -hmm. stuff that I agree with all my friends are posting stuff that I agree with and we stay in this circle yet there's a whole side of social media that is on the opposite side that will never see what we see so they're like group thinking together we're group thinking together that's how they stormed the Capitol. Like we didn't see things on our social media feeds being like, oh, we're going to the Capitol because we're not on that side of social media and we were never going to be on that side of social media. Mm -hmm. So here we are circulating ideas and getting stronger and stronger on our beliefs, but we're never cross-sectioning so that we can actually understand people. I think we've become the most divisive in the past like two to five years than we have like ever been, you know? I mean, like Mm -hmm. granted there were awful things like 50, 60 years ago and still now, but it's like, because we are able to talk about it to other people on larger scales, it's so much harder to just kind of like understand people because you're only surrounded by the social media feed that you see. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like it's important to have morals and opinions, though, because if no one had morals and opinions, then it would of be course, a world of, course. of chaos. So I feel like, you know, our joined morals and opinions are what knit us together and why we have yeah. civilizations and why we're not. And that's how we move forward. Yes. That is what it is. You're right. Yeah. I mean, so I feel, and I think it's honestly quite exhausting to have conversations with people who see differently than me. 
And most of the time, the reason why it's exhausting, though, is because we're in this constant state of, like, let me educate you. Yeah. Let me educate you. Instead of just listening to what it is. I mean, it's not even listening. I feel like for Karen, like, for Karens and all of that kind of stuff, like. Mm -hmm. True. (laughs) We need to educate her. That's the way that you Mm -hmm. cancel in the right way. Yeah. Here's what you did wrong. Here's why it's wrong. Here are the tendencies and patterns that have meant that have created this reason as to why it's wrong Mm -hmm. and how you give that to her and she takes it however she wants it. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in this sense of like, you know, political arguments, there's so much skewed information, which is why I'm like, y'all go watch the social dilemma. dilemma. Yes, it's true. If you haven't watched that, like all of the information and all of the things that we've seen are, is being given to us by AI and, because they know that that's what we think they're going to show us more of that and the more that exactly. we believe that it's true. Yep. So you have to surround yourself like and it's not even the sense of like being able to like I don't want to say understand but like you know it's not even taking that and being like yeah you know what? You're right about that. So I'm going to agree with you. Like, no, mm-hmm. you can honestly be like, that's your experience. Great. I'm going to take that. I'm going to sit with that. I'm going to reflect on that. But I still know what my morals are mm-hmm. because you're your own person. You right. can't like, you can't expect yourself or, well, yeah, you can't expect yourself to change all the time. You know what I mean? True. Like, you can't, you can't just flip to every single idea. Yeah. Flip all of the time because you are your own person, how you see the world and what you believe the world needs changes based on each and every person that you talk to. No, that's totally, I literally just said what I didn't say. <laughs> the actual Here's, You know what I meant. It's yes, I got it. <laughs> hopefully everyone else got what I meant too. They like got you it, they got your drift. change all of the time, depending on who you, um, who you talk to, but mm-hmm. you know, how you go about understanding things is like where you find that freedom to have an open mind and understand where your morals fit. I guess that's what I mean Mm -hmm. to really understand like where you and your experiences fit into this greater world and this greater life that we're all living. Yes. Period poo. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. We just had a great conversation. Yes, we did. That was awesome. It was like it was a good one. We went on a couple of tangents, but it was it was good. Yeah. Um, I guess. Well, now I feel like it's kind of redundant to ask you, like, what does a week in your life look like? Even though I feel like people still want to know. So I guess you can just kind of run down because it is like a tradition. Like everyone says, like, mm-hmm. what a typical week in their life looks like. So go okay. for it. <laughs> All right. So, um, who as of right now, my weeks are kind of crazy. Yeah. So usually. <laughs> Um, weekdays for me look like I have always have a ballet class or modern class in the morning. Um, and then depending on my schedule, I either have work before that or work after that. Um, I'm in college, so, you know, I got classes. College. (laughs) (laughs) And usually at night I am stuffing my face with all sorts of food because I love food and I'm a food network fiend. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then over the weekends, I'm usually hanging out with um, my boyfriend. We are huge nerds as well. So, like, you know, if anyone knows about Dungeons and Dragons, oh gosh. <laughs> um, 
I'm so serious, and I actually, it's so much fun. There's so much in it that, like, so much. That I need you to introduce fun. me to, like, actually yes. it. Like, I know what it is, and I'm just like, and mm, you, you gotta bring me into it. Like, I have a podcast <laughs> for you. Trust me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm usually doing that. And then in between all of the little things that I have to do, I have rehearsals. Um, and usually the weekends for me are too crazy, but I do like to relax and chill mm-hmm. out and, you know. Lovely. Relaxing is an important part <laughs> of life. It is. So. Very true. Yes, okay, we (laughs) (laughs) And then I guess the last thing that I'll ask you is what is your top adulting tip for the listeners today? Can be anything. Okay. Um, well as of right now, I've been super like thinking about life and how you figure out what you want to do, quote unquote. And I feel like you really have to again do that self work, figure Mm -hmm. out where you fit in this world and where you want to fit in this world because maybe there's a place for you right now that you just aren't aware of and letting that um offer you life and give you um inspiration instead of tearing you down and that's obviously easier said than done but um finding the gratitude in those moments I think is really important being an adult and growing up yeah. and you know finding those moments that give you joy because it's okay to feel joy you know mm-hmm. what I mean like it is. even if your situation sucks like feel that joy for what it is and then um let that joy help you to get through the rough spots because they're going to be rough spots so right yeah I love that. <laughs> yeah self-work gratitude love it that was awesome dude shout out your socials so that people can follow you the ah. redheaded queen yeah, so um, my Instagram, which is really probably the only thing that I use. Right, I was like, you're so so no S. Yeah, um, is uh, at E-N-G-R-D-O-N-M Gordon, Gordon, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then if you do want to follow me on Clubhouse, because sometimes I'm talking on there. Oh, yeah, I invited is, you, yes. Yeah, um that's uh m like e-m and then um marguerite uh geez that's a long thing and they are <laughs> i will leave it down below r-i-t-e yes please because yes my, i will leave it down below crazy <laughs> but, <laughs> that's um, awesome yeah yay thank you so much for coming on i know people are going thank to you. love this episode so much i'm so glad we took the time to have this conversation much needed mm-hmm. yes <laughs> love you so much Love you!